Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. God can give us connections to influential people, amen, through which His favor flows into your life and into my life. Today, I want to talk to you about the field of favor. The field of favor. Now, let me just give you a brief review of what we talked about last week in Ruth chapter 1. And if you've been reading this book, and I recommend that you do, but if you've been reading this book, then chapter 1, as you know, begins with a famine that has hit Bethlehem. And that's an irony because the name Bethlehem means the house of bread. And so there is a famine in the house of bread. There's a famine in Bethlehem. Most people believe that the reason why the famine is there is because of the discipline of God. Because this, the events of the book of Ruth take place during the time of the judges. And we, we discovered last week that that's a 400-year period. It was before the time that kings began to rule. And Judges chapter 21 verse 25 says that in that day there was no king in the land, so the people did whatever was right in their own eyes. So it was a dark time in the history of the nation of Israel. The people were sinning. The people were disobeying God. The people were worshiping false gods. And many believe that as a result of that, the the discipline of God was what had brought about this famine in the land. And so there's a man by the name of Elimelech whose name means God is king. But Elimelech is not living right now like God is his king. Because he takes his family, his two boys, Malon and Kilion, and his wife Naomi, And Naomi's name means pleasant or sweetness. He takes his family away from Bethlehem. And I really believe that he was doing what he felt was best for his family. He just wanted to put food on the table. He wanted to provide for his family. He did not want his family to starve to death as a result of the famine. But even though there was a famine in Bethlehem, it was still the place where God's presence dwelt. It was still a place blessed by God, but Elimelech takes his two boys and his wife and leaves Bethlehem and goes 50 miles east to a place called Moab where they worshiped false gods, a false god by the name of Chemosh. They were the enemies of God. God had said that no Moabite or Ammonite was to enter into the congregation of the Lord even till the 10th generation And the reason why is because when the nation of Israel was coming out of Egypt, they would not allow the nation to come through their territory, nor would they give them any food or would they give them any water. And they hired a false prophet by the name of Balaam to to pronounce curses over the nation of Israel. And so God said, because they did that to my people, they're not going to enter the congregation of the Lord even until the 10th generation. But as I said last week, we're now in the 11th generation. And that's why Ruth, the Moabite, is able to enter into the presence of the Lord. And so Elimelech gets his family there, and we don't know how long they had been there before he and his two sons die. 
The very thing that he was trying to avoid happening in Bethlehem happened in Moab. Moab was known to be cursed by God. Bethlehem was known to be blessed by God. Now, where would you want to be? Even in the time of famine, I would want to be where God still dwells. Amen? Even though it didn't seem like he was working, and even though it didn't feel like he was working, he was, his presence was still being made known there in Bethlehem. So here Naomi and Orpah and Ruth, her two daughter-in-laws, they're left alone. They're left as widows. Their husbands have died. Their sons died. Her sons died even before they were able to produce any grandchildren through Orpah or Ruth. And so Naomi gets word that the Lord had once again visited his people in Bethlehem. So she, she takes her two daughter-in-laws and they return. That's a picture of repentance. They return, uh, begin to return back to Bethlehem. But as they're on their journey, Naomi begins to think about her life and how bad it is and, and, and that she doesn't have anything to offer her daughter-in-laws. And so she encourages them to go back to Moab to their mother's house where at least they might have some food to eat and can find themselves a husband. And Orpah takes advantage of that opportunity. She goes back to Moab, but Ruth clings to Naomi and says, wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you trod, I'll trod. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. In a sense, that is Ruth's conversion experience. Her turning away from her false gods to worship and to serve the true God. And then they finally get to Bethlehem, Ruth and Naomi does. And when they get back to Bethlehem, some of the ladies see Naomi and they, they knew her from years past. And, and they see Naomi as she comes back into Bethlehem and they said, Naomi, is that you? you? You don't look like the same woman you did when you left here. And she pretty much told them, you're right, I'm not the same woman. I left here, Naomi, I left here sweet, pleasant. She said, but don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, which means bitter. And really the Hebrew means a bitter old woman. And that's what Naomi had become. She had become a bitter old woman because she said, I left here full, but the Lord has brought me back here empty. Anybody ever felt like that before? Anybody ever felt like that anything that could go wrong went wrong? And has anybody ever blamed God for that when you know it wasn't God's fault, but it was a result of the bad choices that you made in your life? And Naomi never blames her husband. She never blames herself. She puts the blame on God. And she said, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Well, she really wasn't empty, and we're going to see today that she still had much left to be grateful and to be thankful for. Because when they get back to Bethlehem, the last verse says this, it was the beginning of the barley harvest, which was the first of three harvests to take place during the year, which was a sign of new beginnings. How many of you could, could take, could stand a new beginning in your life today, a new beginning in your marriage, a new beginning in your family, a, a new beginning in some area of your life? And, and, and so that's, that's basically what happens there in chapter one. You say, well, pastor, you sure preached chapter one a lot shorter today than you did last Sunday. Well, yeah, 
it's a gift. I can do it sometimes if, uh, if I need to, but, but, but don't get used to it because we're now going to chapter two. And, and for those of you that need an outline, for those of you that need points, because I personally believe that a story like this, a narrative like this is best t- told as a story. But for those of you that need an outline, that need some points, we're going to look at four things today. We're going to look at the plan of God. We're going to look at the providence of God. We're going to look at the provision of God. And then we're going to end talking about the purpose of God. And the first thing that we see in Ruth chapter 2 is we begin to see the plan of God begin to unfold in the lives of Ruth and Naomi. Now, now you'll remember back in chapter one when Naomi was trying to get her daughters to go back to Moab, she actually prayed a prayer over them. And, And here's the prayer that she prayed. She said to them, may the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest. That's just a word that means security because that's a woman's number one need is security. And and it said, may the Lord grant that each of you will find security in the home of another husband. And so what we see as we begin chapter two is God beginning to answer this prayer of Naomi for her daughter-in-law, Ruth. Let's begin here in verse one because in Ruth chapter two, verse one, we are introduced to a new character in this story. Up until this point, it's been about Elimelech and Malon and Kilian and Naomi and Orpah and Ruth. But now we have a new character and, and verse one just basically introduces him to us. And here's what it says. It says, now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech whose name was Boaz. Now you remember back in chapter one, Naomi told her daughters, she said, y'all need to go back to Moab because our husbands are dead. And she said, and they died before they gave you any grandchildren. So we don't have any children or grandchildren to take care of us. And and, and she also said to them that, that, Because of that, you need to go back to Moab to try to find yourself a husband. Now, what she was doing, and I told you this last week, is she's introducing a law to us called a Leverite Leverite law that said that when a man died, that it then became the responsibility of his brother to marry his widow and to have children with that widow so that the brother's name could continue. It was called a kinsman redeemer. And not only was he a redeemer of persons, he was also a redeemer of property. That any property that had been lost or any property that that, that had been sold that needed to be redeemed, that person could redeem persons and could also redeem property. And Naomi was basically telling her girls, we don't have anybody like that. We we don't have any close relatives that could step into that role. So you need to go back to Moab and find yourself a husband, somebody who can take care of you. But I'm sure it didn't take her long when she finally heard about Boaz to remember, oh yeah, I forgot about him. Because the Bible says that he was a 
close relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech. Now remember, Elimelech is Naomi's husband. So this guy is a close relative, maybe even a brother to Elimelech. We don't know, but more possibly a first cousin or something of that nature. And it says, look at this. Now it, it, it's very clear. He is a man of standing. Do you know what that means? It means that he was wealthy. It means that he was a powerful man. It means that he was a man of great character. Uh, his name, the name Boaz, means a man of great strength. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew word used there is the same word that was used when God spoke to Gideon and said, mighty man of valor. So what we're looking at here is we're looking at a man that's the most eligible bachelor in all of Bethlehem. And guess what? He's single. He's single. He's 45 to 55 years old. He's never been married, so he's eligible. And this just happens to be a close relative of Naomi. And so we're introduced here to Boaz, that, he had a, that, that Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing, very influential in Bethlehem, from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And, and then look at verse 2, and Ruth the Moabite. It, it's almost like the writer's wanting to contrast here how great, how wealthy Boaz was but just the opposite for Ruth, that she has nothing, that she is a Moabite, that she, is a, that she came from a pagan nation. It, it's like the writer wants us to see how great one is and how small or how unimportant or how non-influential the other is. And it says that Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find, and everybody say this with me, favor. Oh, here's where we're introduced to the word favor in the book of Ruth. And so Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. Now notice, Ruth just gets up one day. She knows that the barley harvest is short. She knows that she doesn't have much time. And so she said, I'm going to go out and I'm going to find a field where I can glean some leftover grain uh, in, in somebody's field in whom I find favor. Now listen, she had no idea where she was going. She had no idea whose field she was going to end up in. But how many of you know that the Bible says that the steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord? And so she knew about this law in Leviticus 19 that says when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. And, and, and Ruth is both that. She's poor and she's a foreigner. He said, because I am the Lord your God. In a sense, this is God's welfare system. That those who would go out and, and reap the harvest that they were to, 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 to not reap in the corners. And then if they were reaping and accidentally dropped something, they were not supposed to pick it up so that the poor could come behind them and pick up the leftovers and even go into the corners of the field to get what little bit of grain might have been left. He clarifies it a little more here in Deuteronomy 24. He said, when you're harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, don't go back and get it. 
Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. You see, there's a blessing attached to taking care of the poor. And listen to me, there still is. Amen? He said that God may bless you in all the work of your hands when you beat the olives from your trees. Don't go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. So we see in that passage of Scripture God's welfare program. But let me tell you how different God's welfare program is from our welfare program. You had to work or you didn't eat. Let, 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 let me say that one more time. In God's welfare program, he provided, but you had to go get it. You had to work to go and reap, to glean in the harvest field. It wasn't going to just come to you. You had to work for it. That's the difference in God's welfare program and our welfare program. I'm not looking for too many amens right there. I don't need it. I believe scripture confirms it. But what we begin to see here is we begin to see the plan of God unfold. We begin to, we begin to see that God is working even when you don't see it. And God is working even when you don't feel it because the next thing we see is not just the plan of God beginning to unfold to bless and redeem Naomi and Ruth, but now we begin to see the providence of God. We begin to see the invisible hand of God as he orchestrates the events and the steps of Naomi and Ruth. Because look at what happens next here in verse three. It says that Ruth went out and she entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. Now listen, a field in those days, they didn't mark them with property boundaries. They didn't have fences. You didn't really know when you were going from one person's field to another person's field. So she really didn't know whose field she was in. She just got into a field as the law said she could do and she began to glean. And look at what the next phrase is as it turned out now this is a hebrew word that translates into this phrase but the hebrew word means this by accident by chance as luck would have it and there's even one bible translation that says that that as luck would have it but can i tell you luck has nothing to do with what's about to happen in roots life it says, as it turned out, what we are seeing here is we are seeing the invisible hand. We are seeing the providence of God at work. And it says that as it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz. And just in case you don't remember, he was from the clan of Elimelech. He was a close family relative. And that's important in this story as we go out, as we go on through the book of Ruth. But notice whose field she just happens 
to wind up in. She just happens to end up in the field of the most eligible bachelor in all of Bethlehem. As a matter of fact, I believe the writer is saying this with a little bit of sarcasm. I, I, I believe he's even winking a little bit when he says this, that it just happened that she ended up in the field of the most wealthy, the most noble, the most kind, the most godly, the most powerful man in all of Bethlehem. Yeah, yeah, we know it just happens. We, we know that God is ordering her steps and that God is working behind the scenes to orchestrate these events. But, but, but notice what happens next. Not only does, it, does she just end up in Boaz's field, but, but when she gets to his field, look at this, just then... Tell, tell me that God isn't working here. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. Now, now listen, folks. If you don't see the providential hand of God all over this, I, I don't know what it's going to take for you to be able to see it. She, as it turns out, she, as it just happens, happenstance, the, the, the providence of God, she ends up in Boaz's field. And just then, just then, what timing, God? Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. And listen to what he said. He said, the Lord be with you. And they said, the Lord bless you. Now, here's what that tells me, is that not only is he rich, wealthy, powerful, influential, he's a godly man. Because the first thing he does when he gets to the field is he says to his people, the Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. Now, let me ask some of you single ladies here this morning. How many of you would like to end up in a field like that? And how many of you would like to end up in a field like that with a man like Boaz just then he shows up? It's called the field of favor. And God is the one who directed and orchestrated the steps of Ruth to put her in that field. Did you know that for the first time in the history of our nation, that the majority of adults in our nation are single, not married? For the first time in our nation, that married couples are the minority now among adults in our nation, and that singles are the majority of the adult population in our nation. First time in history that's ever happened. And there's some of you here this morning, some of you single men, some of you single women, and here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that you're gonna end up in a field of favor with a Boaz. Is that all right? And for you guys, I'm praying that you're gonna end up in a field of favor with a woman like Boaz. Is that all right? Because I believe God can bring a woman of wealth and a woman of power, and a godly woman, and an influential woman into your life. I don't want him to bring a Boaz to you, uh-uh. But I want him to bring a woman like Boaz. Verse five, Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters. He said, who does that young woman belong to? Notice when he gets there, he recognizes a somebody out there I haven't ever seen before. Who is this woman? He, he notices her and he inquires about her. And the overseer replied, she is the Moabite. Always being reminded of her past. She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. 
And she said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. And she came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. In other words, what he recognized was what a diligent, hard worker Ruth is. And then you go on to verse 8, and we begin to discover here about the provision of God. Because when you get to verse 8, Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field. Oh, I believe I hear the Holy Spirit telling some single person here today, don't go glean in another field. You're not going to find a Boaz at the bar. You listening to me? You're not going to find a Boaz in those kind of places. If you want to find a Boaz or a woman like Boaz, then you've got to be in the right field. Somebody say amen. amen. And, and she's in the right field. And Boaz says, don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Notice here now, we talked about favor is the presence and the power of God, the provision of God, the protection of God. And we see that happening here through Boaz for Ruth. He, he says to his reapers, he says to the men who work for him, he, he says, listen, don't you lay a hand on this girl. Evidently, they've been giving her a hard time. Evidently, they've been harassing her. And he said, that better stop now. He said, because you see my field out here? He said, it's a big field. They'll never find your body. You give her a hard time, I'll take care of you. Don't you give her a hard time. And when she gets thirsty and she needs something to drink, you let her come from the water jar. You, you let her come to the water jars you filled and get something to drink. We're seeing provision. At this, the Bible said, she bowed down with her face to the ground and she asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? And do you know that's the question that you and I ought to be asking of the Lord Jesus this morning? And that is, why, Lord, have we found such favor? favor in your sight. And so what does Boaz do? Boaz answers her question and said, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with a people that you did not know before. I've heard about you, Ruth. I've heard about all that you did. I heard that you left Moab. I heard that you renounced your God. I've heard that you've, you've vowed to take care of your mother-in-law Naomi I've heard that you've now chosen to worship the same God that she worships so I want you to notice something here because girls and here's something I want I want you to see how do you think Ruth looks physically right now at this point in the story I guarantee you she don't look her best that this is not her best hottie moment Probably ain't got no makeup on. Maybe got her head balled up on the top of her head, her hair balled up on top of her head. 
She's been working in a hot field all day. She's been sweating. And I know most women would be like, man, if Boaz stepped on the field, you would take off, you would run home, you would scrub, you would sandblast, you would do everything you could to get yourself looking good and ready for Boaz. Amen. But I want you to notice initially what he was attracted to about Ruth. It wasn't necessarily her physical appearance as much as it was her character. That she was a beautiful woman inside. She, now, now that doesn't mean... That doesn't mean that you need to marry somebody that you're not physically attracted to. Yes, there needs to be physical attraction. Somebody that you are attracted to. But that's not what Boaz, that was not his first priority. He was initially attracted to her because of her character. And then notice what he says in verse 12. He said, may the Lord repay you. Now let me tell you something about the favor of God. It's the favor of God, but sometimes the favor of God comes into your life through another person. And here's what I believe. I believe that if we pray and seek the favor of God, that God can give us connection to influential people, amen, through which his favor flows into your life and into my life. How many of you would like to be a channel, a vessel of God's favor into somebody else's life? Oh, I would. And that's what Boaz is. But look at this. He said, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Ruth, I know you, and you are trusting in the Lord to take care of you. You are trusting in the Lord to provide for you. You are trusting in the Lord. It's under his wings that you are finding shelter and finding refuge. And because of that, the Lord's favor is on your life. You see, folks, when we are obedient to the will of God. When we follow, when we get up and we go, even though we don't know where we're going, but we're walking by faith and we're taking a step of faith and we're taking a risk, but we're being obedient and we're trusting in the Lord. I'm telling you, God will reward you with his blessings. God will reward you with his favor, just like he's doing here with Ruth. And he says this, he said, may the Lord repay you, richly reward you under whose wings you've come to take refuge. Now listen, this is a prayer that he's praying over Ruth. But little did he know that he would be the answer to his own prayer. Because God would use him to bring favor, blessing, provision, protection into Ruth's life. So remember that next time you're praying and you're praying about a particular need in somebody's life, be open to the fact that God may want you to be the answer to your own prayer and a blessing to someone else. And so here's what verse 13 said. It says that Ruth said, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I don't have the standing of one of your servants. I'm not even as good as one of your servants 
But I, I want you to continue to show me that favor. I, I, you've put me at ease now. Not, I don't fear. I'm not, I'm not worried about what may happen to me. And then in verse 14, she, she goes on and says that at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. And when she sat down with the harvesters, look at that, with the harvesters, not, not with the poor or the fatherless uh, but, 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 and, and the widows, but, but, but with the harvesters. And he offered offered her some roasted grain and I love this and she ate all she wanted and had some left over what did Naomi say when they came back to Bethlehem I went away full but the Lord brought me back empty and what is Ruth saying now is she ate all she wanted and she had some left over this is a manifestation of the favor of God in her life and then verse 15 says that as she got up to Lean. Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. Oh man, I love this. He told his harvesters, he said, I know that sometimes you drop things by accident and you're not supposed to pick them up. But he said, I don't want you to drop things by accident. He said, I want you to intentionally drop some bundles of, of barley so that she can come around intentionally drop those so that she can have an abundance to take home with her. And verse 17 said, so Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley that she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. You know what an ephah is? An ephah is three quarters of a bushel. It's 30 pounds of barley that has already been threshed. And she takes that 30 pounds home with her and it's enough food to last her and Naomi for a week to two weeks. Now get a hold of this. If she reaps that much every day throughout the six weeks of the barley harvest, she will end up with enough grain to feed her and Naomi, not for just one week or two weeks or a month or two months, but for an entire year. You see folks, that is the favor of almighty God. How many of you would like some of that kind of favor in your life today? Well, if you want that kind of favor, then you got to be in the field where the favor of God is. And it's the field of obedience and trusting in God. And, and, and notice, now I know, I know this can be a little lengthy here, but we're almost done. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Those leftovers she had from her first date with Boaz at lunch. She brought them back home to her mother-in-law. And then her mother-in-law asked her, Naomi said, where did you glean today? She's trying to figure all this out. Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. And she said to Naomi, the man I worked with today is Boaz. And when she said that, something triggered the memory of Naomi. And all of a sudden, hope is about to be restored in Naomi's heart. The bitterness is now to be replaced with joy and hope because she said this. And we see finally here the purpose of God. The Lord bless him. 
This is a bitter old woman now saying, Lord, bless him. She's gone from being bitter to giving blessing. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. Now, she's not talking about Boaz right there. She's talking about the Lord. And she said, the Lord, she said, I'm reminded that the Lord has not stopped showing his loyalty, his love, his covenant love to the living and the dead. Because she's saying this, she's saying this is not going to just affect us. But she said, this is going to affect our dead husbands. Because I see that Boaz, you may not see it, Ruth, but I see Boaz likes you. He's interested in you. And that there is somebody who can continue to carry on the name of my husband and my sons. And she added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers, our kinsmen redeemers. He's one that can step in and redeem everything that we've lost and restore it back to us. Then Ruth the Moabite said, well, he also said, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. The good news just keeps coming. And Ruth, or Naomi said to Ruth, she said, it'd be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field, you may be harmed again, the field of favor. You've got to stay in the right field. Get in the right field, stay in the right field, or you might be harmed. And so the story ends in verse 23, or chapter 2, ends by saying, So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Now here's what I want you to see, and as the team comes to help close. When we talk about the purpose of God in these last few verses. It possibly could be that Ruth and Naomi are just looking for some relief. That we just need some food to eat. That we just need some provision to keep us alive. But God knew they needed more than relief. They needed redemption. And when I think about Boaz here in Ruth chapter 2, I can't help but think about how he is a type and he is a picture of Jesus. And you and I are a picture of Ruth, the Moabite. That we were separated from God because of our sin and because of our sin, we had lost everything. We had nothing. But Jesus came and just like Boaz went beyond what the law required to extend grace. He did more than the law required. So did Jesus. He did more than the law required. He extended to us grace. And he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He paid a price that you and I did not have the resources to pay. He shed his blood. He died on a cross 
So that what had separated you and me from God the Father, and if you want to know what spiritual death is, spiritual death is separation from God. And you and I, we were separated from God because of our sin. But then came our Boaz, and his name is Jesus. Amen. His name is Jesus, and he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He paid the price for the debt of sin in our life so that when we put our trust, our faith in him, then that relationship with God can be restored. And not only that, but he, he, he doesn't just redeem our relationship with God, but everything that we lost, everything that we have lost because of our sin, he's ready to restore it, to redeem it, to buy it back. And I'm thankful this morning <laughs> for my heavenly Boaz who didn't just come to bring relief, but he came to redeem, to redeem those who had just called. And, and here's, here's the cool thing we're going to see next week, that when Boaz and Ruth begin to enter into a marriage covenant, it's the same thing with you and I. We enter into a covenant with our Boaz. And as a result of that marriage covenant, everything we've lost is redeemed and restored back to us. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me this morning. The book of Ruth has been called the most beautiful love story that's ever been written. But I believe the most beautiful love story that's ever been written is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. With every head bowed and every eye closed here this morning, there's some, there's some folks here today, I think like Ruth, that feel so unworthy, so undeserving. Why would somebody like Jesus, why would somebody like God want to have anything to do with me? And I can tell you the reason why God would have anything to do with you. It's because of Jesus and what Jesus has done. But this morning, I think I hear your heavenly Boaz, Jesus, calling you into a relationship with him. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this wonderful story, God, in the book of Ruth. That begins looking like all hope is lost. That begins looking like they would never recover. But God, you always have a plan. Just as your word says, Lord, that you work together for good according to your purpose in all things, good or bad things, God, you have a purpose, you have a plan. And we see your plan, God, unfolding in the lives of these precious ladies of Naomi and Ruth. The same way, God, that we see your plan unfolding in our lives as a result of your favor upon us. So Father, I, I just pray right now, if there's any person in this room today, God, 
who has felt unworthy, that has felt undeserving of anything from you, that they don't feel like they even deserve to be in the same field with you, God, that Christ has made them worthy and Christ has made them deserving. And Lord, I pray that they would realize today that they are no longer, just like with Ruth, was no longer a Moabite. She's a, she was a new person going, beginning a new thing with you, God. And it's, it's the same with, with us here this morning, Lord, that some have just held on to their past. They, they've not been able to shake their past. They, they, they just not able to believe that God could ever extend any favor or any blessing in my life. But God, you stand ready today to the obedient. Those who will put their trust in you, those who will find shelter under your wings today, God, you, you, you stand ready. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that every person in this room here today who doesn't know you, that right now they'll cry out to you and ask forgiveness. Forgiveness for their sins, Lord. Forgiveness for missing the mark. Forgiveness for falling short of your purpose. Forgiveness, God, for not trusting you. Forgiveness for trying to find favor and blessing somewhere other than in you, Lord. But right here in your presence today, God, you're ready to do your work. So if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior this morning, today, today would be a great time for you to be obedient. Because that's where it starts. That's where the favor of God starts is, is, is when you begin a relationship with the Lord. And so I ask you to cry out to him now. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Lord, I ask you to take me out of this horrible life, this, this messed up life, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, for your favor. I ask you, Lord, for your blessing in my life. I, I need salvation, Lord. I need healing today, Lord. I need, I need deliverance. I need freedom in my life today, Lord. And it begins with that first act of obedience. Coming to the Lord. Let him forgive you of your sins. And you put your trust and your faith in him. And Lord, I just pray over every single person in this room today every young man every young woman here today that that is single that have not yet gotten married God I pray that they would see that you have somebody like Boaz for them that if they will if they'll just be obedient if they'll just be patient if they will allow you to order their steps and orchestrate the events of their lives Lord that they too will end up as a result of your divine providence, Lord, in the right field, meeting the right person who will be everything that you purpose them to be for them in a marriage and in a relationship. So Lord, I pray your favor upon every single adult in this room today that is looking for a Boaz or someone like him, that is looking, God, for a godly man or a godly woman, that you would orchestrate those events, order their steps, and by your divine providence, Lord, they will recognize Boaz when he shows up and receive that blessing. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. 
We here at Summiton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summiton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.